0: Matthew chapter 6, if you'd like to follow along. The Bible should be opening there pretty easily. Okay, three ways. They're not three ways, they're three steps. Three steps of maturity. And as I share these with you, you can evaluate yourselves as to how mature you are. Please do not evaluate me. (laughs) Okay? These are based on your response to receiving gifts. At the first level, it's all about the gift, right? You appreciate the giver, but only because of and in proportion to the gift, right? Uh, And it's all about gimme, 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 gimme. At this level, you have the I wants, and you're always seeing things you want and asking for things you want. Uh, and, and you go to the giver because he is the one able to or likely to give you what you want. That's the first level. So it's like in my house uh, growing up, we, we, we'd go to Grandma McLaughlin. <laughs> she was the one with the ability and the soft spot. <laughs> uh, and she was a good gift giver that way. Uh, so, you know, you, you, you go, you, but, but mostly we appreciated Grandma McLaughlin because of the gifts. In fact, I will admit I thought Granny Webb was a lot nicer. <laughs> but Granny Webb didn't have any money, so it was like, why go to Granny Webb? You went to Grandma McLaughlin. So at the second level, you are trying, to, you are trying that's the word, trying, to appreciate the giver as much as the gift. And, and it's, it's a little bit difficult because the gift is nice and distracting, and you can't help but think about the gift. But you're making an effort, right? Uh, and this is good. The third level, at the third level, the gift is nice, but the giver is better. And and what makes the gift so special is who gave it to you. And, and it's like, uh, when you see the gift, you always remember who it was that did that for you. Uh, it the What makes the gift, oh, I said that part. It touches your heart far more that the giver gave it to you than what the gift itself is. And this includes everything from the toddler's art, artwork that you put on the fridge to the um, oh, diamond ring, uh, to answer prayer, right? All those things. It is the giver who makes the gift special. Okay, Jesus aims high in today's passage. He's telling us, when we pray, look at the giver, right? Look at the one you are praying to. He starts, you know, he says, pray like this. He doesn't say, pray these words. Uh, he says, pray like this, Uh or pray then in this way is the way it says it in my version. Uh, he aims high. He's, he's teaching us how to pray, and he starts with, "Our Father." I want to say, "Who art in heaven," even though that's not the way my Bible says it. Our, our, uh, our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. And that's all as far as we're going to get today. Uh, but it's because it start. He starts with saying, "Focus on God first before you pray. Pay attention to who it is you are praying to, because He is special." Right? He is special. It's not like he wants to be special. I mean, he does, but he is special. And Jesus aims high. He's telling us to go to that third level of maturity. You know, be mature in your relationship with God. Don't be the small child. Because, face it, when we pray, it's easy to jump to the list. We have a list. It's easy to jump to the list and forget about talking to the one we're actually speaking to. He is our Father in heaven. Uh, his name is to be kept holy. So let's start with our Father in heaven. And the first two words, our Father. Okay, so I'm going to bring out a few of the implications of calling God Father. And I know I am not going to get them all. And you may have some good and some that are especially important to you uh, that, I, that I miss. Because I'm confident there are more than what I mentioned. But the ones I mentioned are, I think, significant. Uh, And first thing I want to say is none of the implications of our father that I use are negative. Some of, some of you have had, had a father who is a, has some negative impact on your life. And you may think of your father in a negative way. Frankly, none of those apply. I'm not saying they're not real in your life, but none of those apply when we're looking at God as our Father. So we're simply not going to go there, recognize your case is is. I'm sorry that was your experience, but uh, God as Father, do not let That picture or that feeling, that sense you have from your father, impact your understanding of God as father, because God as father is a good thing. They just don't fit into this conversation because God is not like one of them. The only purpose that kind of father could possibly serve at this point is for contrast. right? And and I'm not going to go there, so it doesn't matter. So let's start with some implications of our father. God as our father, number one, dad is the boss. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now we know that dad is very quick to say mom is the boss <laughs> not always but sometimes but but here's the reality dad is the boss and a good dad i think will rarely act like the boss he, he's not going to walk around saying because i'm the boss right he, he might on occasion i know those words have come out of my mouth on occasion uh, but he'll rarely act like it when needed he can and will but a good boss doesn't have to walk around just demanding his way saying, I am the boss. Because as a boss, he does a good enough job that he doesn't have to do those things. It's understood. But he is, he is the boss. He is the one. Number two, dad is the provider. And, and we look in our world today and we find dads who are the stay at home and mom is the one who makes money. We find lots of working moms, sometimes earning more money than dad, even if he is working. We find those things. Uh, and, uh, it's, it's, Provision is not always our way, but God as our Father is the provider. Okay? God as our Father is the provider. And we sometimes wonder, here's the thing is is we get confused because we think we're providing for ourselves. Right? We think, you know, we especially where we are, we have our jobs and we work, sometimes we work hard. Sometimes work involves blood, sweat, and tears, right? All three (laughs) at the same time sometimes. I had a dream where I was working on scaffolding out in the the new building. I was up high and it was scaffolding on wheels and someone decided to move the scaffolding while I was up there. And I grabbed onto the, the, the truss And I jammed my little finger on one of those little metal plates and cut it off. And I was up there hanging and screaming and yelling. And it was only in my dream, but there was blood, sweat, and tears. Okay. It was only a dream. They're all there. You know, I'm really grateful. So if I'm ever up on scaffolding, please do not move it. (laughs) Don't want that dream to come real. But, uh, anyway, uh, see, gotta get back to where I, oh, we think we provide for ourselves because we work. And sometimes we work hard and we say, I earned my money. But you know, there are other people who work just as hard and aren't earning the money. Uh, we, we live in a place where it works well for us. And sometimes we can wonder where where God as provider comes in because we work pretty hard to provide for ourselves and done a pretty good job of it. Look at ourselves, pat ourselves on the back and say, you know, I did a pretty good job of providing for myself. Uh, I I, I don't understand this. Why do I have to thank God for it? I worked. I did this. Yeah, I think of when I was a paper boy. I was a paper boy. I got my paper route. You're supposed to be 12 to get a paper route, but my dad worked at the review. I was actually nine. It was like two months before my 10th birthday, and my brother and I did it together for a while. And then we each got our own route. And I was 10. I had my own route. Had my own route for about five years. I'm not sure exactly when I stopped, but I was in high school somewhere. And uh, you know, paper routes pretty good money for a kid. Doesn't have any bills. Doesn't have anything. And over time, I developed a real sense of independence. You know, I used to I used to buy my own clothes. I remember walking down to Kmart and buying my own clothes, because I had the money. And I didn't need mom and dad's money. I could take care of myself. And, and, I, and I got really prideful. I was a paperboy. I worked. I provided for myself. I didn't have to. Mom and dad would have bought me clothes. But it was you know me, and, and I wanted to be able to say I did it. And because I was looking at what I provided for myself, I didn't look at what I wasn't providing for myself. (laughs) I never thought about food. I never thought about uh, um, health things. I never thought about meals. Sometimes I'd go out for for my own meals. I mean, I had money, I could do that, Uh, that kind of thing. I didn't think about medical and hospital. And when you were a kid like me, medical and hospital were a significant issue. Right, it's, it's really funny when I think about it because because I am not accident prone I it's, it's been a long time since I've got hurt doing something But there was a day when it was my middle name, right? Uh, I, I think of when I was in the 10th grade when I was in the 10th grade I smashed this finger under a desk. I split this lip taking out the garbage Just a little warning, if you are running with a metal garbage can, have your shoes tied. (laughs) Uh, That's the year when I got hit by the car coming down the South Hill. Bad year for me. I didn't have to pay any of those bills. (laughs) Someone else took care of all that, right? I didn't have to do any of those things. But so much was beyond my grasp, and I thought I was taking care of my needs. I thought I was the one who was providing for myself. I wasn't. It is an illusion. I mean, that's me as a paper boy. And and later, I had my job at the greenhouse. and I didn't get any more humbled by that. But uh, uh, that was my grasp Uh, uh, because I looked only at what I provided for myself. I thought I was a good provider for myself. And I, I didn't hardly scratch the surface. I barely scratched the surface. I had mom and dad providing for me the things I really needed. Okay? So much was beyond my thought that I thought I was a good provider, but I was not. And it is an illusion that we provide for ourselves. It is very important that we thank God for, what we, for the privilege of being able to work to, to, <laughs> to meet those needs, right? God is the one who is our great provider. God as our Father, our Father who art in heaven. Dad is the protector. What is the threat? Wild animal? Dad will protect you, right? At what risk, at what cost? Doesn't matter, dad will protect you. Uh, a, a, A thief? Dad, Dad will protect you. I, I like the picture. There's, there's one movie I watched where, where the, the couple is regularly coming to danger, and every time they come into danger, she jumps behind him. <laughs> and he saves the day. And it's just it's just funny because I like it. That's, that's the way I feel like it ought to be. I'm not sure it always is. Dad steps between you and the threat. Right? Dad steps between you and the threat. Dad is the protector. Dad is the wise advisor regardless of what the sitcoms say. And I'm not saying dad always has wise advice, but you know, he does know things because he's as old as he is and he had to get there. I'm not saying dad has always been wise, right? How do you gain wisdom? Hard experience. How do you gain hard experience? Foolishness, right? (laughs) It's like, yeah, we've earned the right. Dad knows, but his advice comes from both experience and a heart of love. Dad is concerned for you and does not want you to make his mistakes. He wants you to know what's best. He wants to do those things. So dad is a a wise advisor. Okay, this one is just for free. Not sure how it applies to God. Dad is the best tickler. Right? (laughs) Okay? This one, dad loves you. This is dad, our father in heaven. When we pray our father, all of those implications apply. He is wise, He is good, He is powerful, He cares about us, He meets our needs, He provides what we need, He protects us, all of those things. Everything implied by the word dad, or that should be implied by the word dad, is there. It is a loaded word, and Jesus did not come upon it accidentally, right? Uh, It is a very intentional word. Dad loves you, and this is God. And we live in a world where I I talked about this a little bit last week, and I don't like to repeat myself too much, but, but no other religion has a God who loves you. They, if you're lucky, they care about you at all. Mostly they are gods who, who are looking for opportunities to punish you, who are looking for opportunity, who you have to fear, who you have to uh, give offerings and sacrifices to make them willing to, to accept you or not punish you. We have a God who loves us. He loves us every, to throw out every image of a God who does not care. You know, the, there's an approach to God called deism, and they call it the clockwork God, that he, he wound up the universe, he set it in motion, and then he walked away and let it take care of itself. Throw that out. You know, a lot of people, it has an official name, I don't think they're organized, but I know I, I thought that for a while, because you, people who look at the evidence and don't see God at work, they say God's not doing anything. A lot of people don't believe in God because they don't see him doing anything. One of the privileges of keeping a prayer log, try keeping a prayer log for a while, and you will see, wow, God is doing things, right? Because he is. Uh, but, But they see he doesn't care, do anything, so they say, he's not involved in my life. He doesn't care. Not true. He is Father God. Every positive image of Father he is. And then he says, our Father in heaven. Pray this way. Our Father, and by the way, our Father is for corporate prayer, because Jesus was speaking to a group of people, but if he was speaking to one person, or when he speaks for himself, it's, it's my Father, right? Which I think is hugely important. I think that's something we dare not lose the grasp of. He's not merely a corporate Father to all of us. He is my Father in heaven. He is my personal father. And then that he says, in heaven. And it might be a way, you know, you might have a dad who has passed away, and you say, well, dad's in heaven, right? That's fine. That's not an untrue statement. I'm not going to take fault. But that's not what he's saying here, right? We just want to hang on to that because it's not what he's meaning. It might be a way to distinguish between your heavenly father and your earthly father. My father in heaven, just in case you're confused about which one of you I'm, I'm speaking to, right? Uh, and it and could, could be that. But that's not it either. Uh, This statement acknowledges he is above us and he is beyond us. Uh, He is, he is not, does not have the limitations that we have or our earthly fathers have. Because sometimes, even though your father wants to protect you, it's beyond his ability. He can't stop that semi careening out of control. Stop. (laughs) It's not going to work. Sometimes it is beyond his ability, but God, it's not beyond his ability. He is beyond those things. And it acknowledges he is above and beyond us. And remembering who he is helps us to approach him properly, which is, is, is also the message of the second half of this verse, hallowed be your name. And, and hallowed, what a word. You know, hallowed, the only other time we use the word hallowed is Halloween. Right? It's not a word we use. And and if you know me in theology at all, I like to take those theological words and the I just call them church words that we use only in church and only among Christians and turn them into real language. Because they were real language when they were first written down. They wrote it down in language that everybody understood, and we translated them into words that we don't. <laughs> right? It's like, well, that was a help. that glad you put it into English. <laughs> Could have left it in Greek for that purpose. What a word, hallowed. Uh, and, and, uh, but you start looking for options for, for uh, hallowed. So I've got the New American Standard here, and it says hallowed. So I looked in my ESV, and it said hallowed. So I looked at my NIV, and it said hallowed. So King James and New King James, you can probably guess. Hallowed. The Amplified Bible. Hallowed. <laughs> New Living Translation. May your name be kept holy. I like that. It's a lot closer. I don't, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm going to give you what I think is best. <laughs> uh, the Jesus book. <laughs> I, was, I was really thrilled because Mike, Mike shared with me he was going to do the, the Jesus book for, for the scripture reading and he showed me I'm, but, that, but that's not what I, I had and then finally I finally realized oh, different verse he's Psalm 8-1 <laughs> I'm Matthew 6-9 uh, but uh, the Jesus book says and that you stay good and special and that we give them that we like them give you plenty respect <laughs> plenty of respect give God plenty of respect Holman Christian I thought was really good your name, may your name be honored as holy. Okay? Uh, and, and so you come up with all this. And, and, and so I run to the Greek, see what it says. And it's a common word with an uncommon ending. It's hagios theto. Now, hagios is a common word. You say, well, it's not common to me. Well, it translates the word holy. 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 It, it, it's used of, of the Holy Spirit. It's the word that's translated saint. It's, uh, anything, anytime you read the word holy in the New Testament, it's, it's hagias in some form or other. It's hagias. It's, it's a very common word in your, in your Bible. But the end, theto, is very different. Uh, it's holy theto, which essentially means holy, comma, let it be. Your name, holy. Your name is holy, let it be. Okay, uh, interestingly, as we, you know, because we, we start defining things. I think instead of defining the word holy, we need to define the word be. To be. Uh, Jesus is not saying your name is holy, even though it is. Right? But that's, at least that's not all he's saying. He's saying, let your name be holy. Okay? Now, if God's name is already holy, why does he need to say, let it be holy? Your car. Let it be a car. Your car, let it be yours. It's already true. You don't need to say it, right? Unless there's somebody who doesn't get it. And all of a sudden we go, huh. So it's not that his name isn't holy. It's why, why is it not, why does he have to say, let your name be holy? And when we answer that question, uh, we find how important this is. That It is that this is a part of our prayer right? Uh, Because God's name is disrespected. It's disrespected by how people treat God. It's disrespected by how people treat God's name. It's disrespected by how people approach him and say his name. Okay? Uh, it is disrespected by those of other religions who resist the truth, God's truth. I started in Sunday school today reading through uh, a, a country a day, nations that oppose Christianity. Today, alphabetically, it was Afghanistan. It's what they call a restricted nation. Christianity is legally respect- restricted in Christianity. You go and share your faith in Afghanistan, you will be arrested. You might be killed. You convert to Christ, you will probably be killed by your family. And nobody will bat an eye. Right? Uh, It is God's name is disrespected or hated or resisted by those who resist God's truth, whether by active persecution or lesser oppression, right? Those who hate Christianity. It is uh, disrespected by atheists and those who hate God and religion as a whole and they do not respect God's name, and they do not say God is holy. And by spiritual people, by spiritual people, I don't mean Christians who are spiritual, but by all those people out there who say, well, I'm spiritual, and I do this, and they'll start explaining that they're a Wiccan, or they're this, or they're that, and they have their various ways of doing it, and they have special knowledge, but they resist the truth, which is the only special knowledge that really matters. And so when we say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, we could be praying about them. We could be praying about the entire world where God's name is not recognized as holy. And that's not bad. But God's name is also disrespected by those who acknowledge God in some way, but still refuse to obey him. The vast majority of Americans disrespect God's name, right? They give him lip service, if that much, yet still think that he's okay with them. It's like, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I don't go into that Bible stuff. I don't believe the Bible. I'm a Christian, but I don't think Jesus is the only way into heaven. And it's like, you got to get back and look at that Bible stuff and see what the Bible actually says, because that's where truth is. Uh, And and among them, Lord, among those people who use your name to swear, it's like, how do you put that together? Um, For them, let your name be holy. That name that they are disrespecting and using so badly, let it be holy for them. And it's good to pray that the world will see and recognize God and His holiness while there is still time. And praying for the lost is, it, it is praying for the lost, and that is a good thing. But what if neither of those is what Jesus is saying? What if it's more personal than that? God's name is, let me ask a question, is God's name disrespected when I grab my list and run up and jump on Santa's lap and start reading my list to him? because it sounds kind of disrespectful to me, right? God's name might very well be disrespected by us when we go to him in prayer if we don't first recognize who it is we are approaching, right? Who it is we are praying to. God's name is disrespected by me when I do that. And so our Father who art in heaven, Hallowed be your, your name by me. Let your name be holy to me. Let me treat your name as holy. And I'm not saying, I, I, don't, I, mean, when I, say, I don't know that that's what Jesus had in mind exactly. But I think it has to be at least part of it. We need to treat God's name with respect. And we we should worry about those other things and all those other people, and we should pray for them. And wouldn't it be nice if God's name was made holy there? But we need to start with us and treat God's name as if it's holy. Holy, let it be. Holy, let it be to me. Right? So, So practically, how do we do this? We certainly do not do this by saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, the kingdom come thy will be done. On earth. Is it, did I say in heaven? See, I, I can't do it anymore <laughs> uh, by just a sing-song repetition of a prayer. That, that's not making it holy. But but like I said before, it might be as simple as changing the word our to my. And instead of saying our Father who is in who are, who, who I'm only really doing the, this, uh, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name my Father who is in heaven, dear Father in heaven, right? Uh, And and we take that and we make it personal. That might be all it takes. This is why I love Psalm 8 so much, and it's why that was our scripture reading for today. Verse 1, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. For me, Psalm 8 is a powerful focusing tool, and I like it. And I repeat it, and and I do verse three more than I do verse one. Uh, when I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you consider him, or the son, or the, the, the son of man? See, son of man that you think of him. I think is what it says. And and, and it's like when I look at how great you are. And, and I can't help it. You guys have heard me say this a million times probably, but the heaven, when I consider the heavens the work of your fingers. And John and I were talking about what he was going out to speak about it, at uh, teen camp. And one of the things he was talking about was how great God is. And he was talking about creation. We had that whole talk about his fingers. Right? When I think of fingers, I think of crafts. right? Uh, and, and glitter and glue <laughs> and finger paint. The work of your fingers and that was the making of the heavens and john started talking about the space tell is it still the hubble space telescope or what's the new one that's out there that's so much better and the farther they see the more they find and it's still the work of his fingers what am i that you care about me but you do psalm 8 for me is a powerful focusing tool. And I'm I'm throwing this out. I throw out my father. I'm throwing out Psalm 8. I'm throwing out some options just to show you what, what has been done and what people do because it's not that hard to focus on God's greatness if we take a moment to do it. And I'm not saying you only take a moment because once you get there, you might want to stay there for a while. But if you don't get there, you're just running to God with a list. Joan, has started using a prayer shawl. And, and it's kind of, kind of interesting because she says, when I wrap that shawl around me, I feel like I've secluded. She could do it. Joan's never alone. <laughs> it's part of her life. You know, almost never, unless she's doing laundry. Then everybody leaves her alone. <laughs> but she says, I wrap that around, and I feel like I've isolated myself with God and I can pray, and it's a focusing tool, okay? Uh, Singing, songs. We have a bunch of really good songs about God's greatness today, right? The closing song is is one you can take with you. Singing can help, and and by the way, you say, well, I don't sing well. Well, sing alone. The only person, nobody criticize you when you're singing alone, right? You'll be the only one knowing that you're off key, and you probably won't know because you'll be alone. <laughs> uh, there's, there's so many more things you can do, right? And, and some people may say, well, here's what I do. Here's what I do. Here's what I do. You know, different things are going to work better with different people. Uh, based on one sermon I preached, I don't know how long ago it is. I look at the horizon. You know, for, for me, drive time is awesome. It's a great time to pray. But sometimes I have a hard time getting my mind focused. I don't know about you. I, sometimes I go, God. If I pray often enough, shouldn't it be easier to get focused in prayer? And it's like he's going neener, neener, <laughs> uh, and, and, I, and I have to work at it. But, but so I, I, you know, one of the great things about living out here is if you're going to drive, you're going to drive in the country. And if you're going to drive in the country, the horizon is all laid out before you. And I just look and I go, the God beyond the horizon. And then I drive like this. Wow. <laughs> the horizon is big and it's nothing. Something to focus your mind on God, Him. Start your prayer with that. And then your prayer, then you're ready to pray. Then you're ready to pray in a respectful, God-honoring way, a way that treats Him as holy. Whatever helps you to slow down and focus on God, which doesn't mean, by the way, there aren't pop up. I love Nehemiah. Nehemiah had the world's best pop up prayer, right? Uh, he's, he's, he's before the king, king Xerxes, or King, not King Xerxes, whatever king he's in front of. He's in front of the king, and, and the king says, him, says, Why are you sad? So I prayed and asked my God to bless me, and I said, <laughs> right? He didn't go through a big process, <laughs> right? He had, to, he had to answer the king right now. He prayed, Dear God, help me. I don't know his exact words, but that's what he prayed. And then he said, right? I'm not saying God doesn't honor those prayers. But I think you understand what I'm saying. There are are times when we get to spend time in prayer, and we should. And if you don't, please start. Uh, And and, uh, you need to start by remembering who who it is you're talking to. You need to focus on not just what you want. And even though what you have on your list is good, right? Dear God, bless John as he speaks out at camp. That's a good prayer right? We want John to be blessed as he speaks out at camp. The kids who need Jesus will hear that. The kids who need to get their lives in gear will hear that. That Those who need a kick in the <laughs> rear will get kicked, right? Spiritually speaking. <laughs> he, he, but still, let's start with a focus on God. We need, to, we need to do that. Remember who you're speaking to, and don't talk at him, right? Don't just talk at him. Speak to him. Speak with him. God is not a vending machine. He is the God of the universe. So he says, when you pray, pray like this. First, focus on God. That's Steve's bad paraphrase. Don't try to make the Bible say that, but, but it's the what I believe is the meaning of it. First, focus on God. You're going to ask him to do stuff. You're going to ask him to give you. I mean, uh, forgive us, or give us this day our daily bread. That's in there, right? Forgive us our debts. That's in there. Right? You're going to ask him for stuff that benefits you personally. That's all right. But start by looking at God and focusing on him. Treat him with respect. Okay? Let's close with prayer. Father God, you are the God of the universe. And Lord, it is such a privilege that you not only allow us to come to you, but you want us to. Because you are our Father. And whether we get it or not, our Father loves us and wants to have that relationship with us. And let us not fight that and resist it. Give us the wisdom and the maturity and the love for you to pay attention to you, to treat your name as holy, to come to you rightly. I pray in Jesus' name.